Hi, welcome to the Charlotte Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message and that it both encourages and inspires you. Charlotte Church. It's great to be here again. I love this church. I love coming here. I love what God's doing here. I love the way God's working in people's lives and the way you're walking with him in this new thing. On the way here, I was thinking about the floods and everything you've been through and the really tough stuff and the hard things that have happened. And I just felt God wants to say this. He knows. He knows about it. He cares about it. And his arm is not short and is not without resource to help you come through So please don't feel deserted. Please don't feel as though God's turned his back on you. He he hasn't. He knows what's happened. He knows about you. He knows what you've been through. And he cares and he has everything that you need. So I just want to to give that to you this this evening from the Lord, that he is really here and he's involved. You know, just recently I I was thinking about looking at the guys who've argued with God in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, and particularly Moses, when God called him, he, had a, he was you know, in the desert and, and God spoke to him and he argued with God. He tried to find a million reasons why not to do the things um, God wanted him to do. And then there was Gideon in Judges chapter 6, where, where God calls Gideon when he's in the wine press um, threshing out grain and, and tells him he wants him to go and, and lead his people and, and do all these things. And God's, Gideon's got a million answers. But in, in Judges chapter 6 and verse 13, Gideon says this, where are all his miracles? Where are all God's miracles? Where are the things that, that, we, that we hear that, that God did for our fathers? And so I want to take that. I was thinking about that. You know, I, I want to see miracles. I want to see miracles. We need to see the supernatural. We have a supernatural God. We need to see miracles. We need to see healings. We need to see deliverances. And we need to see salvations. Otherwise, we have a religion of form and practice, but no power. And in all honesty, I'm not totally interested in just form and practice. That's just boring. But I want to see a a religion where where the the power of God is manifest, where we see good things happen. I want want us to go, and with that in mind, I want us to go to a story today. And it's in Mark chapter 5. And you know this story really well. Mark chapter 5. And and maybe we can learn something from this story. I'm not not trying to give you a formula or a pattern. or, or, a, or a scheme or a way to make miracles happen. It's not like that. But maybe we can learn something from this story. So let's read it from Mark chapter 5, verse 25. That's Mark chapter 5, verse 25, reading from the New King James. And it says this, Now a certain woman, well, sorry, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had and was no better but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace 
and be healed in your affliction. So this lady had this hemorrhage going on for such a long time, 12 years, been through all sorts of things. And finally, she comes to Jesus. So let's break it down and, and look at the process of what happened. Firstly, the first thing that happens is that she heard. She heard the reports of Jesus and his teaching and his miracles of healing. And in those days, there were no newspapers, no radio, no TV, no internet, no Facebook, no mobile phones, nothing like that. Just that the word of his power and the word of his teaching had, had been told from person to person, word of mouth by word of mouth, and she had heard it. She had heard it. She, was, she, she heard the reports of what Jesus was doing. So let me ask you, what are you hearing? Or maybe a better question is, what are you listening to? What makes up the major source of the information that you are inputting to your mind and your soul? What are the voices that are speaking the loudest and most often to you? Does, do you hear the voice of God often? Do you hear him speaking to you often? Would you recognise his voice even if he did speak to you? Much of the problem is that, is that we don't recognise his voice even when he does speak because we don't understand his language. And we do, not we, we, we do not understand his language because we don't read what has been written under his inspiration. His, let, me, let me give this to you really clearly. And if you've got a chance, write it down. And let me read it to you the way I wrote it down. His voice, his word contains his voice. His voice carries his language and his language reveals his heart. Let me say that to you again. God's word contains his voice and his voice carries his language and his language reveals his heart. When the input of the word is outweighed by the input of every other noise and information source, we will struggle to hear him and understand what he is saying. The woman was at her wit's end and she heard. She heard about Jesus. She heard about his power. She heard about his teaching. She heard about the miracles. And the second thing she did was that she spoke. When you read the passage, she heard about him and then she spoke. She said, if, I, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She believed. First of all, she believed what she heard and then she spoke her belief. She believed what she heard, then she spoke her belief. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So she's hearing, you know, she's, she's hearing God's voice in the reports that she's receiving and faith rises up in her heart and she believes what she's hearing and she believes that as she comes to Jesus, she will be healed. Hear it, then believe it. So again, let me ask you a question. What are you saying? What's coming out of your mouth? What is the most frequent confession of your mouth? Luke 6.45 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever, whatever is, is growing in your heart, whatever is most abundant, whatever you're giving most attention to in your heart, which comes from what you're hearing, is what will eventually come out of your mouth. Psalm 91 verse 2. You, know, you, you hear the psalmist saying, I will say of the Lord... He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in, him, in whom I will trust. Is that your confession? I will say of the Lord. What are you saying of the Lord? Are you speaking of what God is doing? Do you know what God is doing? Are you reading and, and, listening and watching his word and, and drawing from that? And are you speaking it out? 
Romans chapter 9, verses 9 and 10, uh, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So again, the pattern believe, hear, believe in your heart, and then speak it out. Not spoken out of a suspicion or, or that it might happen or a maybe hope, maybe it might happen, but spoken out of a belief, a certainty, a faith that what you have heard is going to happen. Proverbs 18, 21 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. What we speak either brings life to things or it kills them. You know, we, when we say things about people, when, when our confessions, when we're gossiping and saying, we're killing, we, you might say, I've never killed anybody. No, your words kill their reputation. And if you kill their reputation, you damage them. What's coming out of your mouth? Is it life or is it death? It, it's the tongue, the voice, your word is such a powerful weapon. We can believe and confess it for our salvation, but we struggle to confess it for our healing or other miracles. Because it's often we believe that our salvation is out there. It means we're not going to heaven. It's an abstract. But it's here and now. It's what happens here and now. The woman heard and then she spoke and confessed it. The third thing she did was that she acted. In verse 27, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. So she heard, she believed, and she spoke her belief, and then she acted. Well, that's a dangerous thing for her to do because, because of her hemorrhage, because of her blood flow, she was ceremonially unclean, which means that she was continually ostracised, continually rejected, continually shunned, continually out of contact with people. They couldn't come near her because if they did, they then became ceremonially unclean. Her actions made Jesus, a rabbi, ceremonially unclean till the end of the day. And that was a terrible thing. Um, it, it, could, it brought her to this place where she could be stoned. Or, um, or whipped. The penalties were either be whipped or stoned to death. Until she put feet under her belief and her words, nothing happened. Think about that. Until she heard, she believed and spoke and then put feet under that, nothing happened. Well, she stayed out. Even if she, even if she heard it and believed it and spoke it and didn't put her feet under it, nothing happened. James 2.18, and you know, in that passage talks about you know, faith without works is dead. And we often talk about that, we, we rightly interpret it, that acts of service um, arise from faith in Jesus. We have to have, out of our faith in Jesus, acts of service have to arrive out of that. But I want to suggest to you that it could also mean that believing without acting is just dreaming or hoping. Let me say that to you again. And let me hear, I know it's a tough statement, but believing without acting, without putting feet under what you're believing is just dreaming or hoping. There's nothing wrong with hoping, but nothing's going to happen. We have to act. And listen, we have to act to position ourselves to receive the miracle we are hoping and believing for. Let me say it again. We have to act to position ourselves to receive the miracle we are hoping and believing for. We hear guys saying, you know, I'm believing for a wife. Well, when was the last time you had a shave and put on an iron shirt and used some deodorant and went like, or, or, or you know, a girl's believing for a husband? When's the last time you shaved your legs? 
or put a bit of makeup on, or you know, did, did your hair nicely, or whatever. You know, and I'm not saying that's that's the whole answer, but if we're going to have a miracle, we need to be able to position ourselves to receive. If we're believing for a house, when was the last time you put some money in a savings account? Or are you just going to sit there and wait? The house is not going to fall out of the sky, friend. You have to position yourself for that miracle to take place. What are you doing about it to create a favourable circumstance in which the miracle might take place? And that's often about obedience. How many times do you know that, that Jesus you know, tell, sets conditions, tells people to go and do something so that they receive their miracle? We know that we should do something which would position us favourably, but we don't do it or we procrastinate and then blame God for not giving us a miracle. And again, so many times, so many times, Jesus instructed somebody to do something and then the miracle came. So the woman heard, she believed, she spoke, then she acted. Let me say something to you. Do something. Do something. Take a step forward. Do something. And finally, she received. Verse 29. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she'd been healed of her affliction. She received her healing miracle. She had gone to doctors for years. And look, the doctors in those days, were, it was a very primitive practice. They had no idea of, of pharmacology, or they had some idea of pharmacology, a little bit. They had no real idea about um, detailed physiology and how the parts of the body work together. They had no idea about um, surgery and all those kind of things. They really had no idea about diagnostics. And, and she'd been to these doctors for 12 years and nothing happened. I've got nothing against doctors. I mean, doctors are amazing. The things that are achieved in medical science now would have been regarded as absolutely impossible 20 or 50 years ago. But now they're happening all the time. To me, that's, that's, that's about the power of God as well. Like God gives us inspiration. I once heard somebody say that science is simply man finding out how God does things. And I guarantee, I'm telling you, the, the discoveries that are made are made because God allows people to discover things. God helps us through a whole lot of places. When she heard about Jesus, believed what she heard was true, confessed it with her mouth, and then positioned herself to receive a miracle, it came. Verse 34, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, okay, she was healed. But, oh, that, that was so much more than just the hemorrhage stopped. That, that one word he used at the beginning of that statement, daughter. Daughter, that means that you are now accepted as part of the family of God. All of the loneliness, all of the rejection, all of the hurt, all of the pain, all of that whole stuff that was happening to her before, the, the ceremonial uncleanness, the fact that she couldn't go to the temple, all that was made whole. All of that was, was healed. All of that stuff was taken away. And now she's able to do all the things that she could not before, do before. That one word, daughter, is the most powerful thing. It tells us about God's heart towards us. It tells us that he wants us as his children. It tells us that he wants us in his family. It tells us that he loves us and cares for us and regards us as a father. It tells us that he's willing to pay a price for us. It tells us that he's willing to lay all it on the line for you and for me. And I want to tell you, friend, that, that one word, daughter, at the start of that statement is such an important thing. Sometimes the miracle is there and we need to learn to receive it. 
We need to learn to receive it. You know, the whole thing of salvation. Salvation has, has been there since Jesus rose from the dead. It was Jesus accomplished it on the cross and God accomplished it when he raised Jesus from the dead. It's there. All we need to do is to move to receive it and let it happen in our lives. So let me come to the end of what I'm saying with this. Uh, this morning and, and the, today, I'm not trying to give you a formula or a method, but it does teach us something about miracles and our part in releasing the miracle supernatural power of God. Let me tell you about a miracle that happened to me. About 11 years ago, I herniated a disc in my back. It was, it was so bad, I went to doctors, I had cortisone injections and all sorts of stuff. For 12 weeks, I never slept in a bed. I, I had to sleep in a chair sitting up at night and waves of pain would just go through the body. I was taking endone and it was like eating lollies. It was having no effect at all. Then my, my GP that I was going to said, you're going to need surgery. Well, Glenda, my wife, who's a physiotherapist, said, if you're going to have surgery on your spine, you need to go and see this guy, Dr. Jeff Askin. He's, just, he's one of the best um, spinal surgeons in, in Queensland. So I rang his office. I rang his office. I acted. And his receptionist said, well, uh, when, I, when I spoke to my GP, he said, look, that's a good plan. He said, but you might even get an appointment for three months and it'll be three months or more after that before you have the surgery. At least six months more of this pain and this whole thing. Horrible. He said, but I'll, get you as category, I'll put you as category one on the, on, the, uh, on the surgery thing with the public hospital. And I went, nah, that's not good enough. As I'm driving away, I'm going, that's not good enough. I'm going to ring his surgery. So I rang his surgery, rang his office and spoke to his receptionist. And she said, look, we're just redoing and re-examining the way we allocate appointments. She said, do you have any scans of your back? I said, yes. She said, could you mail them to us? I said, yes. Drove a bit further and I thought, no, that's not good enough. So I said, no, I'm going to take them and drop them into his office. So I took them in and dropped them to his office. She said, well, the doctor might get a chance to look at them on Saturday. We'll give you a call, maybe give you a call. The next morning, so that's Thursday, okay? There was a weekend. The following weekend was Christmas. So that's Thursday. I get a phone call Friday morning. Dr. Askin has looked at your scans. He, uh, he'd like to see you. Could you come in Monday? A couple of days before, I'd been told I wouldn't get an appointment for three months. Can you come in Monday? Could you have an MRI? Yes, I can do that. Um, the surgery is going to cost between ten dollars and $15,000. Do you have health insurance? No. So I went home, spoke to Glenda, Told her the situation. She said she had some money saved from back patient, worked at PA and had some money saved up for a new kitchen. She said, we'll spend that. So I go to see him on Monday, took the scans in, and he said, well, look, um, I'm going on holidays on Friday, which is just before Christmas. Um, when I come back in two weeks' time, I might be able to do something there. And I don't know whether it was the look on my face, but I really believe it was the hand of God. He looked at me and he said, you're in trouble, aren't you? I said, big time. I was starting to walk with a drop foot gait as though I'd had a stroke. I was in, in terrible pain. And he looked at me and said, I'll tell you what, if you can be here at 2.30 tomorrow afternoon, I will, I will perform the surgery on your back at 4.30 tomorrow afternoon. So Thursday, three months before I get an appointment, three months before surgery. Five days later, on the Tuesday, I had surgery that afternoon. The following Sunday, I preached in church. That's part of the miracle. But then something happened. After, just after that weekend, all the symptoms came back again and it was worse than before. And I'm, it did my head in. I'm thinking, we spent $10,000, I'm worse off than before. Glenda was working with another physio at PA who said to, um, she said that had the same operation I had, rang me, said, you know, did the doctor speak to you afterwards? 
I said, no, he was in a hurry to go and it was late in the day and I'd give you a chance to talk to him. He said, well, he told me that if I had the surgery, I'd be okay for 10 days or so and then all the symptoms would come back and then it would take a bit of time as all the nerves became recovered and, and, and got back to where they should be. And so then my mental state was right and I just had to learn to walk again and kept going. But that's not the end of the miracle, friend. That's not the end of the miracle. I positioned myself by going to that doctor for something to happen. About six months after that, that, that took place, I had a phone call from Glenda. She said, who do we know at Reedy Creek or North Tweed? I said, I don't know nobody. Well, she said, we've got to check in the mail. Great man of faith and power says, what? One of those, one of those um, Reader's Digest checks. She said, no, it's a bank check. I said, how much more? She said, $10,000. I said, are you serious? She said, I've rung the bank. I've rung the post office. It's a genuine check for $10,000. And let me tell you, friend, to this day, I do not know where that check for $10,000 came from. That is my testimony of the miracle power of God. It happens because it happened to me. It happened to me. And there's no other way that it could have happened except God intervened and did something supernatural and brought a miracle. So when we listen to his word, right, I, I know what God can do. I know from his word. I know from his what he can do. When we listen to his word as the major input of information and truth, we hear his voice. When we start to speak his truth, when we allow it to be the abundance of our hearts and, and, and we begin to speak out of that abundance, when we act to position ourselves to receive our miracle, then it will become the normal rather than the unusual to see the supernatural miracle power of God at work. It, miracles of healing are fantastic. Miracles of, of provision are fantastic. Miracles of deliverance are fantastic. But let me tell you, friend, the greatest miracle that has ever happened and has happened today is the miracle of salvation. We read back in Scripture, you know, when we believe in our hearts and when we confess with our mouth, we will be saved, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is risen from the dead. So today, as you're sitting in your lounge room, if you're, just, if you're tuned in and wondering what, what all this is about, let me say to this. There is a miracle available to you right now. All you need to do is turn to God and say, Lord God, I believe in you. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he was crucified, buried and rose from the dead on the third day. And I invite him into my heart that he would be my Lord and forgive my sin. Friend, if you're willing to do that today, you will be saved. Your future will be secure. Your life will change immediately. It won't be all roses. It won't be all easy. There'll be some tough times. But you'll never walk that road again alone. And, and that's just the power of salvation. But also, friend, if you're at home there and you need a miracle, whatever it is, if you need a miracle of healing, well, I'm going to pray in a moment. I'm going to pray. And I want to encourage you. The first action you take is to reach out to God. If you need a miracle of provision, you know, if you, need, if you need a home, if you're looking for a partner, you do something about it. If you're looking for a life partner, do something about it. But I'm going to pray in just a moment and we're going to believe for miracles to happen. Let's do that right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I know that you're supernaturally powerful. I know that you love us and care for us. I know that you reach into our lives and cause things to change that we, that we could hardly believe would happen. And today, Lord, I pray for those people who are reaching out to you for their salvation, reaching out to you for a certain future, reaching out to know you as their Lord and Savior, reaching out to know you as their friend and their daily companion. I pray for them, God, that you reveal yourself to them. For others, Lord, who are reaching out to you for a miracle, I pray right now that that process would begin immediately. Lord, that the process of your supernatural power operating in these lives 
would be would start to happen right now from this instant on. Lord, that recovery, supernatural recovery to people who are looking for healing would happen. Father, that 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 you would start to maneuver people the, the circumstances around people's lives so that the thing that they're reaching out to you for, for the longing of their heart, Lord, that they're believing you for, will begin to happen right from this moment. And Lord, we ask it for your glory and in your name, in Jesus' name, I say amen. Friend, there's a miracle available for you. The things you need to do, let me tell you once again, hear about it, believe it in your heart, speak it out, confess it with your mouth and position yourself to receive. Thank you so much. God bless and goodbye. I am Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope you were blessed by today's message. You can connect with us at shilohchurch.com.au.